Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Future Golf is Australia's largest golfing community for younger players, providing access to some of Australia's best courses. Your membership includes free rounds, over 100 discounted green fees Australia-wide, a free professional lesson and ex-golf simulator session, and of course, the all-important Golf Australia handicap. The best part though, the price. For 19th Tee listeners, you can get a huge 20% off any Future Golf membership with the promo code the 19th Tee. So if you're looking for a place to play without the jacket and tie, Look no further than Future Golf. Head to futuregolf.com.au forward slash join. And don't forget to use the 19th T promo code for a huge 20% off. Future Golf, play your way. This is the 19th T podcast. Kieran Marsh, Nathan Drudy, back with you for another week. A very exciting guest, Drudy, to coming up in just a moment. But we had to take a moment to share some, some exciting news, Matt. Obviously, uh, you may or may not have seen it across our social media channels in recent days, but if you haven't, Drewster, lay it on us. What's the news? Yeah, very exciting, to be honest, Marsh. You know, a little bit from left field when the notification came through on, on Twitter from the Australian Podcast Awards, the, uh, the good team at the Australian Podcast Awards, uh, letting us know that we were a, or we are a finalist uh, in the best sports podcast category, which is... Quite phenomenal. I mean, look, we've been very self-indulgent in the last few weeks with a few milestones that we've hit, but uh, this could this could take the cake. And um, I mean, look, we were, we were a little lost for words and a little taken aback when that came through the other day on Saturday. I reckon it was. I thought you were joking, to be honest, when you messaged me. <laughs> like I was aware that um, you had submitted the nomination and we'd paid mm. the fee, mm. uh, and I don't think either of us expected anything more to come of that. Uh, and and I think. Mainly because my knowledge of awards like these in the past have been that they've been uh, fan voted, yes. Uh, but this has actually been independently judged, which is which is even probably uh, probably sweeter for us. Uh, and, and to be fair, Druids, as you say, quite surprising when you consider uh, the company. I mean, we are finalists alongside uh, podcasts such as uh, Ordinarily Speaking, which is hosted by the absolutely wonderful Narrowly Meadows, who's one of the very best sports journalists in the country and uh, and the guests that she has and the conversations she has uh, around the, the some of the personalities in sport are exceptional. Uh, got both the Phil Davis podcast, obviously the GWS Giants player, and, and Dylan Buckley, who's one of the most entertaining D-listed AFL players going around in the country. And then horse racing royalty in John Tapp. Yes. The voice of the course in this country for, you know, four decades. So to, to, to find ourselves... Uh, amongst that group of names as a finalist is, is pretty humbling, to be fair, Dreads. Yeah, and a little perplexing, Marshy. <laughs> a little? <laughs> Jesus. No, uh, oh. it, is, it is very humbling. I was just having a look at the other categories there. There was one that was uh, smartest podcast, and we certainly weren't nominating ourselves for that. But no, uh, no it is very exciting, uh, as you said, to be, to be a finalist. Uh, I think it's the 21st of November. Uh, mm. that it all um, gets announced and through a Zoom and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, very exciting. Uh, understand there's gold, silver and bronze in the yeah. category. So we'll be going for bronze. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully we can jag a bronze medal. That would be <laughs> outstanding. But, yeah, oh, I thought we uh, thought we should mention it up the top. Uh, yes. And to be fair, it, whilst it sounds like we're um, spending a couple of minutes pumping up our own tyres, we do it because... Uh, we wouldn't be in a position to be nominated uh, or, you know, identified as a finalist in a category like this without the support of our listeners, Drudes. Um, that is, that is absolutely the, correct. The prime reason why, um, you know, we find ourselves in this position um, quite awkwardly and, and quite embarrassingly to be finalists in this category is, is overwhelmingly down to the outstanding support of our listeners, both those that have been with us from the start and, those who've joined us along the way and the ones who continue to listen um, each episode, your support means an awful lot to both of us. And uh, we, we are still a little surprised, um, you know, a little over a year after launching this, that people are still tuning in in, yes. in numbers. So thank you. Um, and we will obviously, well, you'll find out one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll probably skip over it if we don't win anything and we'll probably shout it from the rooftops if we do. So. <laughs> 
Absolutely correct. 21st of November. Drewster, to our guest for this week, I said a very exciting one off the top, and, and I, I absolutely meant it. He is the reigning Australian amateur champion. He also medalled in the New South Wales amateur and was the low amateur at the Vic Open this year. He is a Queenslander. He is the kid from country, Hatton Valor. Speak, of course, of Jed Morgan, who plays out of the Royal Queensland Golf Club here in Brisbane. Uh, you and I both agree this is one of the most entertaining uh, chats that we have had. Jed was uh, raw, he was honest, he was himself and a very intelligent and switched on young man uh, who, who gave us all sorts of opinions. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very funny as well. Um, colourfully spoken man as we love on this podcast and uh, he's got a very, very big future ahead of him. I know there's a lot of very good amateurs out there, some in in, uh, in the US, in the college system, some uh, going down the path that, uh, that Jed's going down. But uh, very generous with his time, very funny, very open, as you mentioned. And uh, I look forward, very much look forward to, to tracking his progress over the next few years. Couldn't agree with you more, Drew. So without any further ado, here's Jed Morgan. Jed, welcome to the 19th Tee. Thanks for joining us. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Probably off the top, man, and I hope uh, Mr. and Mrs. Morgan aren't listening because I just gave you Jed, but I understand christened Jediah. That's a strong name. What's what's the what's the background yeah. on, on Jediah and how did we go from, well, probably self-explanatory how we went from Jediah to Jed, but tell us about the, the, the name. Um, well, the old fella had heard of a few people by the name of Jed and basically just said, I just want to call him Jediah just for shits and gigs, basically. <laughs> Just to switch it up, I think. That's it. So there's no real thing behind it. Like, obviously, I think the name's in the Bible, but or along the lines of that. But yeah, I don't think it's anything. Nothing uh, special, that's for sure. That's good. I, I, I was actually concerned immediately after I asked that question that I may have offended some religious sensitivities. So I'm glad that we didn't go into that. Uh, those deep, dark waters early on. Now, Jed, uh, originally from Hatton Vale, a little out west of Brisbane, but take us back to uh, probably the journey and, and, and how Jed Morgan got involved in the game in the first instance. Um, well, I think it goes back to, I guess, the days my parents owned a small golf course about an hour south, about an hour west of Brisbane. And I, um, like I grew like playing up, Grew up playing sort of most sports. And, um, yeah, by the time I hit 14, I'd sort of, dad said to choose one of the sports just because it became more difficult for him to run around after us and run the business with mum. And then um, I'd chose golf. I think deep down he wanted me to choose golf. Somehow I think he just, somehow I just knew that. And I think I just chose it sort of, impulsively at the time but I ended up realising that I was probably going to be better at that than any other sport because I quite was not too bad at rugby league and, and um, touch footy and I love those team sports but yeah so I grew up on the golf course and funnily enough becoming a golfer hopefully Well you, you could be the very first guest Marshy I, I reckon I'm right in saying that you could be the first guest that actually literally grew up on a golf course uh, with his folks owning uh, owning a course there. Mate, you must have had one hell of a childhood. I mean, that's pretty much everyone who listens to this podcast <laughs> dream, to be honest. Yeah, it was it was pretty sick. Um, there was plenty of sticks and rocks thrown at each other as brothers, which is uh, pretty good. Plenty of uh, times we've fallen out of trees and going to find lizards and fucking long grass and gardens and things, so... That's yeah, awesome. it was it was a pretty good childhood. What um, you said, you played a few other team sports. I suppose you know golf obviously has a team of people around you who make you the the, the golfer that you are. As you're, um, I suppose, finding out at the moment. But I suppose what's the difference what between the the team sports and now you come in and you play a very individual sport where you are accountable for the shots that you hit out on the golf course, whereas. Sometimes in team sport, it, it just doesn't click between players. What sort of differences have we found between those two? From maybe more so from a mental perspective than anything. Yeah, I think um, like in team sports, obviously it's um, sort of the team's fault whether you win or lose. It's not necessarily a single player is at fault. Whereas obviously golf, you're the sole player at fault for everything. 
whether you make the decisions on and off, like whether your decisions are wrong on or off the golf course. So I think it's pretty easy to highlight areas where you need to improve because you're your own critic, basically, and you've got other eyes watching. Um, but it's almost like the self-sabotaging side of things is a lot harder to go over in an individual sport, obviously, just because, yeah, you're right when you say um, that you have that team around you, but I just think every decision and every sort of intricacy changed within yourself and the game, um, it has to come down to your final say. So, yeah, like you just can't go off what anyone else says. It has to be on your own terms and how you interpret what's going on in your situation and what everyone's telling you. So it's, um, it almost would be easy to have a, a team around you just because you're able to rely on other people when um, the times are tough in that team. But golf is just sort of, you can rely on obviously your family and <clears throat> everyone around you. But I think, yeah, as I said, that it comes down to your final say really. Is there any part of that nature of golf uh, that led to your decision to pursue it as opposed to other sports? Like, do you enjoy the the challenge of being the one solely responsible? And if you find yourself in a hole that you are accountable for digging yourself out of it, is that the type of personality that you have that lends itself to the, the nature of golf? Um, you know, I was actually just talking about it with my girlfriend the other night, why I love the game so much. And I just think, the fact that it's just so different to every other sport um, and it takes a while for people to realise that. that it's, obviously, it's becoming more athletic with sort of the Brysons and the Matt Wolfs and all those guys coming up through and Tiger obviously revolutionising sport, uh, like the, the game of golf in the, and in the world of sport in a way. So it's like it's becoming more athletic in that respect, but... Obviously, there's still the gentlemanly factor of the game and the courtesy and all the manners learnt through the game, which I think um, as I grow up and become more mature as a, as a man, I think they're the parts of the game that I'm so thankful for. And they did, yeah, that's what I guess would like attracted me to the game. Um, and like, yeah, just choosing in terms of choosing golf, like I don't know if um, like I thought that being the singular person to come over the, like to come up with all the solutions and stuff, the all the problems. I don't know if that was the thing that drove me towards like to, to try to choose golf, but um, it's a hell of a lot of fun. I think the older I get and the more, mature I become and the, the better I become at the game becomes more fun. So this is what I've noticed the last sort of six months and stuff through COVID anyway. So it's, um, it's definitely becoming more noticeable to me that I enjoy those struggles a lot more and being the one to sort of figure them out. So, yeah. It becomes a lot of fun when you play as bloody well as you do, mate. So, um, that, that also, <laughs> that also, I'm sure you boys are all right yourselves. No, mate. Uh, 16.8 km, 18 point something. Jed, we body, mate. The, uh, uh, the fact that you don't have to be able to play golf to host a golf podcast. Yeah, it's very much in the fanalist uh, side of things <laughs> here, Jed. Um, no, what I did want to ask you, you mentioned a name there that's, I suppose, taken the golfing world by storm, and it's Bryson DeChambeau. And, and I suppose in many ways he's found a cheat code to the game of golf. He, he's bulked up and, you know, for all the weird stuff that he puts on Instagram and, and the vein, uh, sort of promotional stuff that he does. There's no doubting what he's done has been very, very impressive and, and it's obviously seen him win a major. Yeah. Um, I suppose my question to you is sort of the, the next generation of golfers and you're really the first person that we've had on since this whole transformation happened. Is there any sort of, any part of you that looks at that and goes, well, maybe this is what I need to do to succeed on the, on the PGA Tour one day? Um, nah, like I'm not, to me, I'm not that interested in that length side of the game, like that's not how I'm sort of oriented. I'm long enough off the tee and um, obviously you can definitely get longer and stuff. He's proven that in a, like in a very short period of time, someone who swings it, who perceivably swings it so stiff 
Mm. And the levers aren't lagging at all. It's just amazing how he does it. It's so bloody far. Like it's, <laughs> it is, it is crazy to think that he's he's gone from where he was hitting it and how he was swinging it to the, the longest hitter in the game, essentially. Um, whereas you've got someone like Rory, who's basically probably has the most perfect, most athletic movement ever seen in the game of golf, as opposed like and DJ and Adam Scott and Tiger, obviously, but. <clears throat> no, I'm not like it doesn't drive me towards hitting it longer. To be honest, like I'd look at it, I think, oh, it's amazing. But I'm driven like towards becoming like a really amazing shot maker, and like I'm really driven to the way like the way Tiger played the game, where he was so good at his iron play. His obviously driving back in the day wasn't quite. He was long. He was probably the longest or one of the longest, and but he obviously, he wasn't the most accurate, that's for sure, um, but he was so good at the game of golf, and I think, and obviously, as you boys play yourselves, it, there's just so many factors that you can be good at, and so many factors you can be bad at, like, um, but yeah, for me, to feel like I've um, not mastered the game of golf, but somewhat figured it out, I feel like I have to be just an awesome all-round golfer on, off the golf course, wherever wherever I am. So I just think I need to know my game just so inside out um, and my body that I'm able to minimise the effect of a bad day so the next day I can still sort of go and win a tournament sort of thing, which I haven't figured out, which I'm, yeah, just sort of moving towards, hopefully. It's interesting, Jed, because I think there's been somewhat of a a, a, a pretty crazy reaction to what Bryson has done in the past six or so months and obviously winning the US Open. There's this assumption now that there's just a, a generation of um, particularly players going through the college system in America who are just going to put on 40 pounds and that's where the game's going. But to me, the players seem to have, for the most part, fallen where you have and that's conceded that, well, that's not for me. Good on him. You know, you know, re- respect him for yeah. what he's gone and done. but. For the most part, I'm happy to be 40 yards back and have far greater control over my irons because I think that's where the difference is. Do you think, uh, on balance, that's where most players land to know that, you know, to do what he's done would probably sacrifice too many other things in your game that aren't worth it. Therefore, I'd rather just, you know, play to my means, uh, for want of a better term, off the tee and concentrate on those other parts of my game where I know I can make up shots. Well, yeah, because it comes a point where his length isn't going to be an advantage at all sort of thing. So you go play, like obviously it's going to be an advantage every single time at a US Open and every single time at a PGA most likely because they're long golf courses. Um, and the further you're down, basically it doesn't matter how tight the fairways are because the rough's that thick, so it doesn't really matter. So as far down he can get the better obviously but it comes to a um a british open where i feel like someone who has a complete control on their game like they're the only winners of the sort of the british open sort of thing um and obviously you need that to to, to complete a career grand slam but i don't know he seems he's pretty convinced that he's he's um all gained a complete advantage and that they can't really brass improve the golf course in his words. So, um, yeah, it's just, it'll be amazing to see what they do, whether they shorten the ball, whether they yeah restrict the ball as that gets better and better or restrict club face, um, CT speed. So who knows? Is there an easy answer to that question? I'm conscious that this isn't this wasn't supposed to be a podcast about the thick boy, but we've gone down the rabbit hole once again. So, finally yeah. on that, do you think there is an easy answer? Because bifurcation is obviously something that's been in the headlines uh, almost concurrently with with Bryson's weight gain and his distance gain, yeah. uh, and the argument to roll the ball back or put some sort of provision on the technology. Is there an easy answer, or or is it something that we you think maybe we need to see play out over the next twelve to eighteen months, and maybe it kind of naturalises itself? Yeah, I don't know. I, I still don't know how any of that crap even works. Really, I've <laughs> obviously the, the way they 
I think mm. I'm I'm so fascinated by the way all those old boys played with metal sticks and woods and all that shit. And it's just so fascinating. And there's all these new series out with Tiger. Um, I don't know. You obviously probably would have watched it, but it's all these like secrets to shot making and all that stuff mm. that he's got on golf TV. And I've subscribed to it just to watch one of the videos. And um, it's honestly the best thing I think I've ever done. It, it was, it's a, seriously the coolest thing listening to him who's probably, in my opinion, the most complete golfer to ever play the game um, in an era where he changed it from a complete gentleman's game, I think, to an athletic, advertisable, marketable sport sort of thing. And it just, obviously, there was influences of <coughs> Nicholas, Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, obviously, the, the market, value he brought to golf was ridiculous. I've read some thing the other day. It was hundreds of thousands back in those days as opposed to sort of millions these days sort of thing. So, but um, yeah, I really don't know how they're going to go about restricting, restricting the ball or the club face or lengthening golf courses. Cause you can't really lengthen the golf course cause it almost plays more into an advantage of him. But I just think, it doesn't take much. Like you don't have to have a long golf course to trick it to trick it up. And um, I just think some um, course designers should be more prone to not lengthening golf courses, but just making them more demanding of great golf shots, sort of thing. Not letting them get away with wide tee shots and like Tiger. I don't know if you guys saw Tiger's new golf course, but how bloody wide is that? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It looks awesome, obviously, in those. But there was no rust. The, the bunkers are huge. Um, I don't know if he plans to do more with it, but on that thing was just—I couldn't believe it. Yeah, so. I mean, like, sorry, Marshy, I know you had something else to ask, but I know, like, that from an architecture point of view, like, the wider the fairway, sometimes the more challenging the hole can actually be. Like, you look at Royal Melbourne is you know, has some really nice wide fairways, but if you're not on the right side of that fairway or if you're not within the right five metres, you're absolutely stuffed trying to get into the yeah. right pin position. So I think that's where Tiger's Yeah, you're right, really yeah. Cool. It does, it 100% does. Um, I hope he plans to firm the greens up. Obviously, it was, it's a brand new golf course, but um, but yeah, that, that's the beauty of Royal Melbourne is the fact that it might be a 100 metre wide fairway, but there's 30 metres that you, that you have to hit it in sort of to have a good shot up such a firm green so like that's the beauty of Royal Melbourne really I've been lucky enough to play it um, a couple of times and yeah it was just it's mind blowing that golf course to be honest That's quite amazing Dreads I don't know that in the first 20 odd minutes of our chat with Jed Morgan do we think we'd cover Bryson uh, bifurcation rolling back the ball and Tiger Woods architecture so what, what a roller coaster <laughs> you've been on in the first uh, 20, 20, 20 odd minutes but yeah, no, I don't mind the chat, so sorry to take you boys on different no. topics. <laughs> Do not apologise. We we went down the rabbit hole. We introduced, uh, almost like introducing Daylight Savings as a topic on Talkback Radio. We just invited uh, <laughs> invited the uh, invited the opinions. Jed, I, w- I want to probably bring it a little bit back more to centre and, 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 and to your own story. And, and you mentioned the fact yeah. that you made that choice of golf as opposed to uh, the other sports that you're involved in, you know, in your kind of your mid-teens. is one thing to choose the sport you want to focus on uh, and it's another to begin to make it your career. So tell us how the boy from Hatton Vale, uh, having chosen golf, ends up as a QIS athlete playing out of all Queensland. Um, I think it was something that I didn't really know that I was doing at the time, like the decision... Because I obviously had no idea that it would lead to where it's led to today. Um, I literally just thought I was growing up watching Adam Scott, sort of wanting to be Adam Scott and what he's done, and then just fantasised about playing golf for a living, I think, maybe. I, I wouldn't even know. I can't really quite remember, but I honestly couldn't have scripted it any better. Like, I've had an awesome upbringing. I've got two younger brothers, and I've got an older sister, and we fought like crazy. Um, we all bashed each other every now and then like it was just a good upbringing I think nice and healthy nice and rough in the country um, had an awesome set of parents uh, mum and dad they've been 
very honest with me as I've grown up and and golf's just a ridiculously awesome sport I think to grow up playing just because of the fact that you whilst you learn from everyone else around you and all those things and your parents and stuff like that I think golf just teaches you so much and matures you so much quicker so I think if I hadn't chosen golf um willingly or unwillingly like I I don't know if I've really become the person and the person I want to be for the rest of my life so like it's it's it was just sort of something that I think the stars sort of aligned for me happened for a reason and um it just constantly moves me to want to do bigger and better things for myself and family as one and then for I think the world as a as a whole as well like eventually I want to help um yeah change some of the things that goes on around the world in terms of environmental science and stuff like that I'm a little bit intrigued with all that type of stuff and yeah if I chose not to play golf I probably only play club sport and maybe I don't know not do much with that who knows um, stay out at Hatton Valley and not really go to the places that I um, want to have been to and continue to go to. So it's just been it's been awesome. Like grew up in a pretty good school and none of them, no one there played golf uh, at my primary school and then yeah, no one played at my um, high school and then year ten came around and dad and mum offered to send me to the Kelvin Grove. School of Excellence for um, their golf program, and I said yes. I didn't want to do it, but I, for some reason, I was. I just said yes, and I ended up going there, and that's where I really started to um, become a golfer and learn things about the body and the 3D mechanical side of a swing, um, from obviously ground forces to. Um, or your kinetic chain forces, all those types of things, and then learn how to manage your body. And I had a really, and whilst I was there, my first six months, I hated it, and I sort of wanted to go back to my school out at Hattonvale. Um, and then we got a new sport coordinator, a new golf coordinator, who was the ex-speed skater for Australia, name of uh, Richard Nazilski, and he was um, he was a massive factor in my next sort of two to three years. Um, developing as a as a person and then, and as an athlete, I think went through a lot of athletic development and maturity through that sort of three year period that I was at Kelvin Grove, and um, took that into my first year of QS. And I think that really helped moving into my first year of QS and being selected in that because um, I had a really really good understanding and solid base of gym work and why you do it and what it does for your body and what it does for your game. I've always loved the gym side of things, so it was a pretty easy transition. But, um, yeah, I'll continue to get my ass foot by all of our trainers. And, um, yeah, it's just been... it's. I've been very lucky to have all the support that I've been received, um, that I have received from, yeah, my parents starting to move to Golf Queensland and to Golf Australia. I really couldn't have been brought up any better that's for sure i want to ask you about royal queensland specifically obviously the 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 leading club here in queensland one of only a handful of uh courses in the country with uh with the fingerprints of alistair mckenzie on it how does the the country kid from hatton Vale, the humble beginnings that you spoke of what's the first impressions when you walk through the doors there at rq and and how does the country kid from hatton Vale fit in there at royal queensland I don't know if I actually do fit in there, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was, I was um, alluding to it, but I'm glad you confirmed it for me. <laughs> I mean, like, not in the sense that everyone's stuck up or anything. I know, obviously, the more, um, the higher the clubs up are in the state, I guess, everywhere, whether it's here, Melbourne, um, Perth, Sydney, like, everyone sort of seems to think, like, they're not your average Joe sort of thing. They're all rich, stuck-up sort of people. Um, and my first taught like, I've never, I've never really... I've always just felt so spoilt being there just because it's so it's so good. They do such an awesome job 
with the green staff and the course layouts um pretty handy it's obviously very very wide off the tee so you don't have to worry about hitting driver in too much damage that's for sure but when it plays the way it should play it's a it's an awesome golf course um but unfortunately it can only be that way three months of the year sort of thing but um yeah i just think when i first went there obviously everyone's wearing sort of ralph Lauren shirts and polos and suit jackets and ties and i'm i can barely I'm like I'm wearing these worn out foot joy shirts that golf queens don't have given me and I've seen the warm every day just because I loved wearing the badge on my chest but like um yeah it's it's a it's such a it's a it's an awesome club. Like I've once I've left Hattonvale, um I my dad joined me up at Gales Golf Club and I grew further as a golfer there and then um ended up my coach ended up going back to RQ to teach because he sort of grew up and did, did. I can't remember if he did his trainee that traineeship there or if he um, just worked there or played there. I don't know, but yeah, he wanted me, wanted to get me in there, and um, I ended up getting in there fortunately and played a year of penance before I started travelling. But yeah, played a year of penance for him, and even then I still felt so out of place. All these all these guys, um, they just put like. They expect a lot of um, everyone that golf club. That's for sure. They just think that raw badge seems to add a lot of expectation on the golf course and just make sort of um, like sort of. It's hard to explain, to be honest. Like really, but but yeah, it's it's not too bad. Um, but um, I'm definitely becoming more comfortable there. The more people and more members I get to know, and they are, they're a good bunch of blokes. Um, I seem to have gotten on well with the piss heads of the golf club, so <laughs> I think I'll hang around them for, for a while, that's for sure. There's plenty of them there too, so it's good. So are you playing in Saturday comps and stuff at the moment, mate? Because there's not been a lot of golf on. Obviously, we had the NT PGA nah. last week. Are you playing comps out there, or, or what are you, are you still Yeah, still yeah, I'll, when COVID first hit, I was playing plenty out there, plenty out between there and Gales, and that was awesome because after the amateur being there, not many members knew of me. Well, they, I mean, they knew I was at the club, but didn't really know what type of player or who I sort of was. Um, and then having the amateur there, I just met so many members through the support that I received through that week, and yeah, I just began to play so many member comps, and that's how I've become more comfortable at the at the club because I'm able to sort of show everyone who I am and whoever I play with I just seem to enjoy time with and it's it's been it's been good. It's been a really good year in terms of that official. Well you alluded to it there, uh let so let's go back there. The nineteenth of January this year, the Australian men's amateur championship, um obviously your home course uh, five and three victory uh, over a man, uh, a young man by the name of uh, Tom McKibben. Now, Tom is uh, yeah. a, 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 an Irish prodigy, really, in many ways. Uh, I suppose if you're not glued yeah. to uh, up-and-coming golfers, you may not know about this young fella, but he's very, very good. He's inside the top 100 uh, in the amateur golf rankings. But never mind that. You've dusted him five and three. Um, you've got a you've got a big support group out there Uh, i know the tournament meant a lot to you but um maybe let's just hear it from your words what that day i suppose particularly was like uh, and then holding the trophy at the end yeah i I think it's it's really cool to like have won that tournament like I, i can't put into words still haven't really found the words to um, be able to describe the week, the experiences were ridiculous. I just had so much support from, yeah, it started with just a couple of members walking around. Uh, I got through a couple of the rounds. Like I'd never made uh, an Australian amateur um, match play ever. So I'd, I'd played, that was my fourth one. I'm pretty sure my fourth, yeah. And, um, or my third one, actually, sorry. Yeah, I missed the first two, and then my third one was that one, obviously. And I got through 13 holes, I think, in the in the first round, and I think I was three or four over. And I'd been struggling with my game up until there for a while, for 
probably six to eight months. And I just said to my dad, because he ended up being able to watch me that day, and I was like, I really just don't want to be. I just want to piss off home. Like, I'm, I'm fucking over this sort of thing. And then managed to birdie a couple coming in to um, give myself a bit of bit of a go for the next day. And I had a couple under, I think, at the at Arc here the second day. So, and had no one following me for those two days, member-wise, from Arc here. And then, yeah, they came... They just started um, swarming in at the further into the tournament I got and fortunately made it to the final. And I'd sort of got to the final. I just said, like, there was obviously a lot of doubt and I was sort of trying to rationalise what I was doing, just sort of listening to whatever was going on in my head, whether it be, oh, it doesn't really matter what happens today. You've come second in the national amateur tournament sort of thing and won't really matter whether you win or lose. And I, I just said to myself, I just don't want to fucking lose because there's no point in going that far and, and telling yourself or listening to that voice of like, I just, it's all right if I come second sort of thing. And I was just, I'd blown a couple of amateur tournaments at the start of 2019. I'd got like, I'd lost my shot in two of them. And then I'd blown a, the New South Wales Amateur in 2017 where I three-part at the last to um, force the playoff for old mate, like give him the opportunity, obviously. I just said, like, I'm not interested in, in losing this. And fortunately, I played another really awesome day, that, that final, and he didn't play too well. Um, but I just kept pressing and pressing and pressing, and it was crazy how it sort of fell my way. Not really sure why I deserved it and but I'm um, definitely so thankful for it and that was able to share it with um, my family which I haven't been able to do for, before and I was able to fill the bloody cup up and drink out of the bastard. I'm glad that was the main thing on your mind mate that's uh, that's excellent. <laughs> it was too because it was free drink. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it bloody was. <laughs> what did you what did you have in it Jed? Oh, I think I just had, I just filled it with Peroni, I'm pretty sure, whatever whatever beer was on tap, or it might have been gold, actually, I think it might have been gold, I was just handing it to all, I remember, because I had to get a flight that night to go to the New South Wales Amateur, and if I had entered normally, I wouldn't have played, like I would have just pulled out of the flight, but the, I know the tournament, oh, I know the golf operations bloke at um, golf New South Wales, Graham, and you know, I'd sent him an email saying, can you please get me in? Because I didn't enter in time. And I was like, oh, okay, I've, I've got to play this because it's just wrong to, I think, pull out. So I was so hung the next day, but I was, um, it was good. Well, it didn't affect your performance because you went out and finished third there. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> You've had a good year, year nonetheless. I mean, obviously, a very, very interrupted year. Uh, Most recently, second at the Capera Bowl, um, seventh at the the Northern Territory PGA Championship, which I'm sure you were just itching to get back to competitive golf. But the one that I do want to touch on is is the Vic Open. Uh, I mean, we're going all the way back to to January or something, probably, or February, early February. You were the low amateur by a country mile, um, finishing in, in T7, flew home on the Friday at five under, if it wasn't for Foxy coming home at uh, eight under, you would have had the low round of the day finishing TC yeah. beating names like Lucas Herbert and, and Zach Murray and Matty Miller and all of these sort of names. So take us through the Vic open, uh, an incredible tournament in its own right. One that we're very fond of here that combines the male and female golfers together. And we love that, but uh, tell us a bit about that week and, and what it was like finishing in the top 10 at a European tour event. Yeah, that was, it was pretty epic. Um, I, I love, I love going to tournaments and I love like playing well and having pressure because you're at the top of the leaderboard sort of thing. I love that type of, I think every golfer does. Um, but I just enjoy being in the mix of it all, whether that be in the mix of the media and, um, just in the mix of everything. I, that's just my personality. I just enjoy being in a high emotion situation. Um, I never used to, but I've grown a massive, massive love for it, and I just, yeah, I love it, love it, all the heightened emotions of it all, and 
there's obviously no bigger tournament in Australia than the Vic Open. So being able to play that and given the opportunity to play that um, was was awesome. And there was plenty of... I felt pretty at home. I had a lot of the Golf Australia officials and all of the high-performance... Like a lot of the high-performance managers at the tournament. So I felt quite at home and and well-supported, that was for sure. And I got into the final group, yeah, on the third day. And that was just awesome. It was the slowest round of golf ever, but it was it was awesome. Um, I think it nearly took six hours to play that day, but it was it was um, it was windy as all buggery. I remember it being about seventy kilometer wind gusts up to like hundred kilometers, like hundred kilometer hours. I think it was, or um, so it was it was blowing its bloody tits off, and it was it was good, but it was awesome to to see how they do it and see how it's not much different to we do it as, as elite amateurs. And, um, and yeah, that week was just momentum rolled over, I think from first year Australian amateur and then the New South Wales amateur. And I was just grateful that I was able to play well again. And because obviously you go through so many, you go through so many struggles. You almost, when you get to that lowest point of that struggle, you forget what it's like to finish high up in a tournament and play well and you're always wondering sort of when it's going to happen again next for you so great I was just so grateful for that opportunity for a few of the homeboys out at Hattonville to see me on TV and rave about it and um, yeah watch my let my grandma see me on TV which is good so it's one thing I've always wanted to do Jed forgive my ignorance of Hattonvale history but are you are you Hattonvale's best product are you the pride of Hattonvale? <laughs> no, probably not. I mean, like I'm, I was fairly well known in the community, uh, just because mainly my parents, because they own the tavern and stuff like that, the tavern and the golf course before they had sold that. But um, hopefully, I can um, say that I'm one of the, yeah, one good product is come out of there there's plenty of good things that come out of that Lockyer Valley that's for sure not saying nothing comes out of there cause, but um, there's plenty no of hard work no one's that names way, popping but, up yeah. on the Wikipedia page mate so playing the title <laughs> but hopefully I'll, I'll put that place on the map um, one day and there'll be some bloody tourist things going through there or something who knows we look forward to uh, doing a doing an episode live from the unveiling of the Jed Morgan statue yeah. uh, down the main street wouldn't of, that be good Hattonville. I want to talk to you a little bit about the amateur class that you find yourself in because if we think the depth of talent uh, at the top of Australian golf um, uh, is, is deep for want of a better word, I, I think it, it, it pales in insignificance when you have a look at the amateurs. I mean, obviously you've got uh, just here in Queensland, obviously yourself, uh, Elvis Smiley, who um, you finished second to in the Capera Bowl just a few weeks ago. Louis Dobler also playing out of the Brisbane Golf Club. Uh, Nathan Barbieri has been um, lighting it up in recent weeks out of New South Wales. Overseas, you've got Jack Trent and Carl Phillips playing in the college system over in the States. It's a fair, it's a fair next wave of talent coming through Australian golf, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I think that, the amateur talent, I think, continues to get better each year. I think the standard of amateur golf definitely does get it better. The depth just needs to continue to grow, I think, here in Australia, and hopefully it continues to grow. Um, but, yeah, there's there's so many guys, and I think the, the 10 to 15 of us here that can really compete sort of every week, it's, it's good for us to go overseas and get into a bigger pool fish sort of thing where they're all sort of just as good as each other sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it will be, it'll be interesting to see who of us sort of makes it to the next level and continues to build as golfers and into our professional careers. And, but there's definitely yeah, plenty of game coming out of Australia at the moment. It's pretty cool to be a part of it and compete against it. And so the obvious next question would be what, what informs your decision now in terms of the probably the next phase of your career? Obviously, I mentioned a little earlier into your fourth year there at the, the QAS, you're the reigning Australian amateur champion, noting that this year um, has thrown a, a big old bloody shifting spanner in the works, I'm sure. But 
what what's what's informing your decision now in terms of timing uh, and maybe your next steps in your career? Yeah, I sat down with one of our high performance managers today to sort of work all that out and like the challenge at the moment I think is not to train or anything and to practice and stuff it's to sort of seek out competition just to be able to keep ourselves eager to play each week I think if you're not really obsessed with golf but you love the competition and the, the game that it provides for you then this time is it's pretty difficult for you because you're constantly yeah you sort of scrape and you draw on the floor in a way the fact that yeah, there's no competitions for you and you're not measuring up against anything, but there's some guys who are excelling so well in this because of the fact that they're just obsessed with golf and, yeah, that's just all they want to do sort of thing. Um, but my plans for this year was to sort of see how I went overseas, but obviously that didn't happen. So I've just sort of been working quite a bit more and maintaining what I've, I've gotten, I haven't essentially gone too deep into practicing. Um, I've sort of just made fall, like fallen guilty a little bit to maintaining what I, um, what I had. And then also making a few big structural changes around my game on the golf course. So they've taken a while to sort of fall through, but um, I'm hopefully turning professional, um, next year whenever there's a tour score on so European tour school is scheduled for September next year so I'll hopefully that's what I'm working towards anyway that's what I want to be ready for I spoke with my coach tonight and I said yeah I'm I'm desperate to sort of turn professional and begin to make a professional career out of this to yeah to get on my way to doing things that I want to do with it so I'm excited, but also it's just, yeah, trying to maintain that that drive to see that on the other side of this, it'll go back to normal and it'll um, it'll go back to sort of the way it was. It may take a bit longer than what we all thought at the start, but, yeah, we'll just have to... I've just got to try and continue to push, I think, so... That's really exciting, mate. Yeah, that's that's uh, you got some big things on the horizon. One I did want to ask yeah. you about the way that you know, obviously, um, turning pro. There's many different avenues that uh, people can go down now. And one that we always like to to throw at our guests is whether college was ever a, an option for you, or you know, you probably still could go to college over in in the states. I'm sure, yeah. you know, being the talent that you are, um, w- were there schools that were hoping to have your services over there um, that you, that maybe well, obviously you've um, you've declined that route and you're going down the uh, turning pro and the, and the Q school route, but um, was college ever an option for you? Yeah, yeah, it was an option. I, I was looking pretty heavily into it, actually. My senior year is like my year 12, I was not too keen on it, but then I finished school and I got approached by, um, I forget the name of it, by Purdue college it's it a pretty good college in australian guys the head coach there or was um and there's a couple of aussie boys there already and there was a few other like emails from schools and things like that um um but yeah i don't know i just uh never really jumped on that sort of bike to get over there um i was more and i'm thankful that i that i didn't at the moment, obviously, with COVID and all of that, but the QIS, I've, I've done, I've just had a lot of personal growth through the QIS and as a, as a yeah, just as a person and um, I've been able to train with Commonwealth Games, Olympic athletes, like um, para-athletes. It's just been really cool to see the avenues come out of the Queensland Academy of Sport and their support of athletics and athletes themselves. So I don't regret any of it. It would have been cool to maybe potentially go there for a year to six months to a year to see what, what it actually is like and what the talent was quite like and be right in the mix of it. But we're able to do that fortunately enough.
in the middle of the year anyway. So, yeah, I've loved every minute of being in the Queensland Academy of Sport and being a part of Australia's high-performance stuff. It's been really fun and there's been plenty of things come of it. Jed, I'm sure there's a uh, there's a part of you that it feels probably fortunate that you know you still are um, have your status as an amateur in, in this year, and that you're not necessarily relying on competition to pay the bills given the disruption of the year. How though has it been? Like, how has it still affected you as an amateur? Because I, I only have to look at you know um, the the NTPGA Championship last week, and um, both amateurs and pros alike jumped at the opportunity to get up there and play a tournament. Um, similarly, I'm sure, irrespective of whether you're a pro or an amateur, the, the level of disappointment would be the same. The major events across the summer here in Australia have been cancelled. So how have you adapted, um, given all the planning that goes into a year in terms of your travel, setting up your competition schedule, only to have that, that stripped away and still trying to find that motivation to continue to improve your game? It's a good question, and I think I'll... Well, I don't even have the answer to it, Drew, but like, um, um, I think every day you, I've just, you learn things about yourself. I'm, I've learned a lot about myself through COVID and what I actually want to do uh, with golf uh, and being in the game. And I would love to, yeah, one day say that I've grown the game of golf for one within Australia and grown sports in Australia to then move on to influencing younger kids the way I was influenced by my parents, through my coaches, through my organisations that I'm a part of. I would love to one day start my own organisation, potentially, just be able to provide kids with opportunities that I was given. As I said, I yeah, had a very good upbringing. My parents never had like a lot of money, but they always sort of somehow made sure that we had every single thing that we needed to have sort of thing. Um, and they worked a lot of bloody hours to to be able to cater for four kids and all the bullshit that comes along with it. So, and I've only sort of just realised that as I'm maturing. So, as yeah, going back to your question, I, I don't know if I'll ever find the answer to continually driving, but I think it's just a daily, it's a daily thing sort of, like it's whatever whatever you can find to make you want to beat some bastard, go and go and seek that out. Like so, there's no real right or wrong answer with it. Um, but obviously, enjoy the time at home that that I'm spending with, yeah, my family, and um, be ready for what's coming next next in my transition into professional golf. Really. Now, mate, you talk about the impact that you know, you know the, that your parents have had on your career and and a few other people that you mentioned throughout the podcast. But I, I don't think, I mean, and look, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I've read online. But Cam Smith could be um, the greatest thing since sliced bread, according to Jed Morgan, because <laughs> he, he seems like one. He seems like a ripping bloke that we would obviously you know, hope, hopefully have on our podcast one day. But um, I specifically, I suppose, two-part question. One, uh, tell us why Cam Smith, obviously we, we love him, but it's always great to hear from you. But tell us about the experience that you had last year, I reckon it was, uh, where he flew you over to his Florida home in his Florida base and sort of you could check out the life of a PGA Tour player and, uh, and, and the man that is Cam Smith. Yeah, it's... it's um... It's definitely as good as what it sounds and what I've made it to sound like, that's for sure. When I I was obviously extremely nervous going over there and um yeah, didn't really know what to expect, but it it exceeded every single thing that I could have expected. Um like someone I didn't even know, both Louis and I, like we didn't we knew we I think we met him once. Um he came to one of the trainings at QIS one time. But everyone met him at the same time, so he had no real time for um, any of us individually. But then, like, the bloke invited us over to to stay at his place in America and, um, yeah, picked us up from the airport. We had pizza waiting for us when we got home, and from there we just kicked it off and 
just had a very very Australian relationship in a, in, a, in America, so it was good. He um, just bullied us the whole time. It was bloody good. <laughs> it was um, he just no, nah, he didn't bully us, but in a good way. In in, in the fact that just he just ripped into us, gave us so much shit that we um, had just had so much fun and almost took it away from while we're actually there, which is obviously the golf and the development side of things. But he um, he started a relationship because he obviously never really had anyone when he first went over to America and did it all sort of with his own bat and his trainer, Nick. So he um, just wanted to give us the opportunity to obviously reach out to him when times are tough for us because he's been through it all before and two, to have someone over there for a base and just to go and catch up with um, for a beer when you need to. So it's it's really good. It was just awesome. Like, yeah, I just can't explain how good it was. Now, Jed, if you weren't so bloody talented, we wouldn't have had uh, much to talk about on this podcast because normally <laughs> we, we Google our, uh, our guests that's coming on. But most of the research comes from social media. Now, um, we've been trying to get you on for, for a little while. We've had no real way of contacting you because we reach out yeah. to them. Now, what's a 20-year-old bloke doing without Instagram? Uh, and why now, for social, why now for social media on the verge of turning professional? Um, I mean, Jesus Christ, you made it hard enough for us to get in contact with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I, I still don't even do that page. You've been texting my girlfriend this whole time. <laughs> no. No, I don't even run the page, mate. I um, I um, I don't even want it. I um, I'm just not interested in it. Like, there's some good things of it and stuff, but I had to get it through this scholarship that I uh, received, and it was just a not a requirement. They didn't say I had to get it, but it would help them out if I was to do it. So I uh, I did it and. And, um, but I said, I don't want to look after the page because I'm just, I just don't have any real interest in, um, social media, but yeah, there's been a few like young kids message me on there and, um, which I think I'm going to keep it because of that, because it's cool to get those messages to see that these little kids actually sort of look up to you and guys like you guys want to have a chat and I love having a chat to sort of anyone. It doesn't bother me. These are just uh, sound like a couple of Aussie larrikins, so it's it's good fun being in the monks and all this stuff. And I, I, oh yeah, exactly right. It wouldn't have come about if I didn't actually get Instagram. So we'll see where she goes. Really, maybe we should have had your girlfriend on. Yeah, if she's the one answering the if she's the one answering the texts, maybe we should nah, have her on. She's been texting me. She's been telling me. It's like these guys are messaging. Blah blah. blah. I was like, yeah, right. I'll talk to them. <laughs> I tell you what's funny, Jed, because. Uh, that that I think that makes this next question even funnier because it, it did seem <laughs> it did seem odd to us uh, that a that a, a young man of your age, given the the I suppose the habitual nature on social media of, of the younger generation, it, it did seem odd to us. You'd only just started your page. What seemed even odder is that uh, what we had read to be quite a humble young man from Huttonvale in his first two photos on his Instagram page. I don't know that I've ever seen a bigger flex. Now, in in the other guys that we've got, um, in the other guys that we've got onto this podcast, and we've gone back through their social media, we always like to go to the first photos because everyone's first few photos on their social media page are embarrassing. I don't know if you've, yeah, I, um, I don't know if you've got uh, got him on the Instagram. I don't know how often you check it, but do yourself a favour and go and have a look at Dimi Papadados's first photo on Instagram if he has still got it up, because he did say to us in our interview that he was going to delete it after getting off. It was him in a pair of dick togs holding a bottle of Belvedere vodka that he'd won on a promotional activity that he didn't actually realise <laughs> was still on there. Now, I draw that comparison because your first two photos on Instagram, in fact. Still, your only two photos on your Instagram account. <laughs> the first one is you on the tee, uh, I believe, up at Pelican Waters with the King, uh, arguably yeah. the greatest player ever to lace on a rugby league boot, Wally Lewis. And the second one is yourself and uh, your now mentor, uh, arguably the greatest ever Australian cricket captain, Ricky Ponning. 
you're not you're not fucking around, really. Let's let's not let's yeah, let's, oh, let's put it bluntly. You're not messing there's around. There's no point, is there? It was I didn't like. Yeah, I just had to break the ice, really, didn't I? <laughs> hey guys, I'm Jed Morgan, and here's all my friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wouldn't call him. I probably just annoyed him that much that I don't want to ever fucking speak to me again. But that's all right. At least I said I've met him once. Probably two questions out of that. Uh, first and foremost, how much unsolicited advice did you offer the king during your round of golf that you had with him? <laughs> Not much. Not much at all. How was it playing with Wally? Yeah, it was good. We just did like a few holes. Like it was only mm. the main sh- this bloody shoot thing. So it made out like we were playing golf, but we really only played the two or three holes. Just for, um, yeah, for a bit of meter promotion for the Queensland Open. So... It was cool to meet him. It was a bit of an ordinary day as he lost one of his colleagues at um, at the news channel that he works obviously at. Um, he's seven news, isn't he? I think he's seven news. Channel nine, but that's fine. No, he's, uh, been, he's channel nine news. Yeah, neither of those are sponsors <laughs> yeah, of this so, podcast. I don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly right. So yeah, he'd lost one of his colleagues. So it was a bit of an ordinary day for him to be out there interviewing. And once I heard that, I was a bit sort of. Obviously, pitiful of it, and um, but it was cool. It was it was awesome to meet him. Um, I took a photo straight away and sent it to uh, my mum because mum loves him. And um, yeah, it was it was awesome to to once again reap the benefits from golf and the opportunities that it seems to bring bring if you put some work into it. And probably more a bit more seriously, and speaking of reaping the benefits, the the second photo with yourself and. Uh... Ricky Ponting AO uh, is courtesy of the fact that you are the the first golfer to uh, receive uh, a Sport Australia Hall of Fame scholarship. So, one of six Tier One athletes for 2021, uh, you'll receive 10 grand and obviously access to a personal mentor. And they've matched you with none other than the former Australian cricket captain. Yeah. Yep. So, didn't expect that to come about. To be honest with you. Um, it was just something that we get these emails from our career advisor at QIS and it's to enter into this, to enter into that, blah, blah, blah. And that one came through and I was nearly just going to get out of the email sort of straight away. And um, But I ended up reading into the email. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And there was three tiers, obviously, to the scholarship. Um Fortunately, I managed to get the top one, the yeah, one of six, and um, yeah, it was obviously the first golfer. And um, yeah, I, we haven't done much with it just yet. Usually, they reckon we would have gone down to Melbourne for a dinner and met the mentors and all that, but um, at the moment, it's not not happening just yet. Obviously, so yeah. I'm, continue to be updated sort of every sort of two to three weeks with what goes on with it but i was going to say what um, does access to a personal mentor look like have you got his number yet and are you restricted on the amount of text messages you can send him per week <laughs> no i'm not restricted to the amount of times i can text or call him but which he'll probably put a restriction on him if i keep bloody going <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's um it's cool like it's we haven't had too much to do with each other just yet, just because he's in Dubai with the IPL stuff, so he's, he's pretty busy. But um, yeah, he gets back I think mid December, and I'm hoping to talk to him actually on Wednesday night. I'm waiting to hear back from him, um, so yeah, that'd be cool. Um, just to continue to build a relationship there, hopefully. Jed, mate, this has been a bloody ripping chat. I just sent Marshy a message and I said, this is probably one of the best ones that we've had in our, this will be episode 89 or something like that. And I reckon this is this is firmly in the top three for me. Uh, <laughs> Stop it, you're full of shit. No, 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 we don't say that lightly, Jed. Um, you're the full of shit, don't it? You tell everyone this. <laughs> no, you can go back and listen to all our episodes if you want. You've got a bit of time on your hands now. Well, I've listened to a few of them. They've been pretty good ones. No, you're, uh, you boys are pretty good actually what you do, so I'd, I'd keep doing it, that's for sure. You're definitely the first person that's admitted that it's your girlfriend responding to us, I'll tell you yeah. that much for free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not the only Mate, one, I'm, but you're definitely the first one to admit it. My grandma bloody um, 
she <laughs> she's golf mad and she she loves it. So funny enough, I can't lie, mate. She's always like, "You're a, you're a Sagittarius. You can't fucking lie." There's no point in me lying to you. Well, I do apologise to your grandma when she hears some of the language on this. I'm sure she'll be listening to this. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I do apologise to Grandma Morgan. Me too. No, it's been good, mate. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to push this episode out. Uh, it's going to be Melbourne Cup Day, mate. So I don't know if you uh, if you like your horse racing at all, but you got a Melbourne Cup tip for our listeners at all? Do you even care about that, or are you going to be too yeah. golf balls? Russian um, Russian Camelot, I reckon, is a pretty good bloody chance because. Damien Oliver's Damien Oliver's a jockey. Um, I don't know if you boys know who that is. Yes. Do you know who Damien Oliver is? Yes, I do. Know <laughs> of course, you bloody know. So yeah, he's um, he's riding Russian Camelot. Um, it's had first, second, and third last three races in in Australia. So that is my pick. I think it's due for another win. It's it's only it's a young mare. So I think it's a three year old mare. So I reckon that's my go. An Irish horse. Well, you've put a lot more thought into it uh, than maybe what I was expecting you'd done. But uh, <laughs> Russian Camelot, for anyone who's who's listening, this will be online in sort of the next hour. It'll probably be uh, 10.30, sort of your time over in, in Queensland. But for those that are looking for a Jediah Morgan's uh, best bets of the day, uh, race seven at Melbourne, uh, Russian Camelot is is where you go. Uh, Jed, mate, as I said, this has been a, a bloody lot of fun to have have you on. You've got a massive career ahead of you. We can't wait to, to watch everything that comes your way. We can't wait for the announcement of you turning pro, whenever that may be. And uh, we know you've got a long, fruitful career ahead of you. And, um, I'm sure Marsh, you'll be hitting you up to have a round of golf at some point. And uh, if you, oh, I'm sure I'll, I'll be tell doing it. I'll be going out to Royal Queensland ASAP Rocky, let me tell you. I'd love to, yeah. Whenever, if ever you want to have a game, I'd love to. Oh, I'll just you... tee it up through your girlfriend, no worries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just make sure you message her first. <laughs> you can beat Marshy 19 ways on the golf course. It'll be absolutely fantastic. No, Jed, as I said, mate, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat to us. It's been very generous with your time and, uh, and we look forward to everything that your future holds. Nah, cheers, Drew. Cheers, Marsha. I really appreciate the, the time and the effort.